We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It is a boxing and MMA podcast day, so you know we're going to talk about Mayweather versus Logan Paul. We're going to touch on Jake Paul and his next fight, which was also announced. I guess we got to give our predictions for this exhibition match, and we'll break down the rules for the Floyd Mayweather fight that is happening on Sunday. Also, we'll recap Devin Haney's performance from last weekend. Nonito Donaire winning a title again at 38 years old and preview the UFC card that's coming up on Saturday. Whew, I feel like that's a lot, but we'll get to all of that. Don't worry about it. To start off the show, old man, this past weekend, we hung out. It was very fun. Before we hung out, it happened to me again. And when I say that, no, I didn't make a stupid bet. No, I didn't fire off a random hot take that'll live on forever in infamy, like the handshake deal. When I say that, it happened to me again. For some reason, like the third time in two months, I've been racially profiled. And I'm wondering 
am I overly sensitive to this? One. Two, did it just never happen before and I just didn't notice? Or did it happen before and I didn't notice? Or three, did it just not happen before and the pandemic has brought out another side of people? Because this time, unlike when I try to buy a $60 steak from the grocery store and they put my steak in the front like I was going to just run out with it, like I was running for the goal line, this time I was going to pick up my credential for the fight, for the Devin Haney fight, and I think I was picking up my weigh-in credential, and the guy at the front, to make a long story short, refused and looked at me like I was an alien for saying that I was with ESPN. That made me jump through a million different hoops during my COVID testing, everything else, to get just my weigh-in credential, and then on top of that, wanted to double-check that I was with ESPN, so the next day made me come through and do it all over again, even though no one else had to. So by the time I saw you this weekend, I was kind of of the opinion, like, you know what? Fuck these fights. We got a drink. Because I, it just, yo, I couldn't believe it. Again, do I not look like I work at ESPN? Do I not have ESPN face? No, you don't. Um, <laughs> well, well, there you go. <laughs> so, so let's start with the, uh, the multiple choices you gave me. So the answer is both. Both two and three, less three, because racism has always existed. It's just people a little bit more comfortable with it now. Pandemic doesn't make people racist. They just feel more comfortable in their racism. Trump has empowered a lot of people who once upon a time wouldn't have done such a thing. They wouldn't have questioned you. They would have looked upside your head, but they wouldn't have openly questioned you. Now they feel like they have the right to. Um, You're not overly sensitive. Uh, Racism is real. Being profiled happens. It probably just didn't happen to you before. You didn't work for ESPN before. You worked for Black Sports Online a while ago. And when you work for Black Sports Online and the black guy walks up, they go, ah, that checks the boxes. They don't have a problem with that. But when you work for ESPN, then it's like he's a, and you look like you. Come on, let's be honest. You're a black guy. (laughs) That's true. I was a very, uh, I was a nicely dressed black guy that day. It's 108 degrees outside, but I had, um, you know, the AK thought shorts on the joints that are above the knee. I had my polo on. I was looking nice and snazzy. And damn near, you can see my ESPN tattoo. That's on my left knee, like right above my left knee. So at this point, I almost pulled up my leg and be like, I have it tattooed on me. You think this shit is for fun? Say for play? But I didn't go that far. Yeah, so ultimately, you got profiled because of all those reasons that I mentioned. Uh, Bruh, I've been pro... You know how many times, like, when I first started doing this, I was asked, hey, are you with uh, the boxers? No, I'm media. Oh, I get that all the time. Who are you with? Yeah, like, it's it's still a prevalent thing in this industry where uh, minorities aren't looked at as journalists in sports unless it's the nba or the nfl and even then it's like are you a former athlete no motherfucker i just cover the sport so this it's not really a surprise and i worked at the zone i'm pretty sure i know who this guy was because he's done security like he he's kind of looked at me a few times and i was like bro chill like i'll have your job don't do it i was about to say i'm above your pay grade that's what i would say if i was in your spot like come on it's ridiculous Oddly enough, I'm sure what's weird is like when you started, I don't know how you looked back then, but to me, I've known you for like seven, eight years. 
you kind of always look like a journalist to me, but I don't know any different, but you always kind of, you know, you, you always had the look of a journalist and you always have your little recorder in hand, the old school recorder. So I was like, okay, like Andreas looks like a journalist. So even at this point, I was like, maybe I don't look like a journalist, but no, this is boxing. I'm not going to cover the PGA tour, which maybe if someone looked at me sideways, okay. I've seen some of the other boxing media. I see the people they let into this shit without a hassle. I was, it, but I think you hit it right on the head. Like black man covering this. Cool. Black man saying he's with ESPN. I got to double check that. Yeah, man. It's a whole different story. They, I don't, first of all, I'm a little offended. I don't know what I look like a journalist actually means. What does that mean? You, you have all the j- journalist garb. Like you, you had the little handy dandy uh, recorder. So I always used to see you with the recorder. You always had the microphone back then. You were doing like the live interviews, um, yeah. even on fight nights, like in the back. So like you had the little flat mic flag on and you're up there and you're always in the front. You just looked like a journalist. Yeah, and makes, you, you didn't have like a book bag necessarily. You had like a satchel. Would you fucking satchel? I'm pretty you sure talking? you had a satchel. I never had a satchel. I don't know. You had you something me, fancy for your laptop. You got you, you to be mixed. Oh, well, okay. I had, I had, a, I had a messenger bag. A a mess- oh, same fucking thing. You, know, no, you, you had something like very professional looking. So like you, you've always looked, and not in a bad way, but you always looked like a journalist to me. Like it, yeah. it was just like, I know what the hell you're here for. I kind of show up with like my Oakley book bag on. Um, even though I have nice jeans, but a polo shirt or my button up, but I am like obviously bigger than you. So people would be like, are you a fighter or are you with the fighters? And I always think it's like my physique or something. So I'm like, no, I, I'm a journalist. I'm just here to cover it, here to write. But when I try to get into different areas and stuff, people still look at me kind of weird. The glasses help me now. They make me look more scholastic. But outside of that, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I was like, yo, this shit never happens to Dre, but you've been around forever. People know you now. Well, yeah, but now, I mean, you know, I had to go through trial by fire. They didn't trust who I was when I first showed up. Like I said, man, the only people who were covering like MMA and boxing were like George Willis and Franklin McNeil. And that's kind of it. There wasn't a whole bunch of other people, you know, AJ used to cover with me when we were both at Fight News way back in the day, like 2008, seven, something like that. He covered with me. But other than that, you didn't see you know, young black people covering the sport. Now you see a few more because, you know, cats just carry around cameras and shit and call themselves journalists. But, and that's not a disrespect to all of them, just some of them. Um, But now you see more minorities in the space, still not a lot, but you don't see a lot of journalists, like a lot of writers who are writing for prominent publications. There's always going to be a diversity issue. And that's kind of the reason why we started this podcast and all the other things that, I've done in my careers because I need to diversify the space. You know, cats ask all the time, like, how do I get in? And you need somebody to help you in. And you need somebody to, to introduce, you know, young black and brown writers and female writers as well to the other people. Because look, man, when I first came in, cats didn't really fuck with me. Like a lot of them, I'm not going to call any of them by name because, you know, some of you know who they are. But I, I will say. Kevin Ioli was always there for me the day I showed up. He was one of the first people that was just like, hey, how you doing? And, and you know, if you ever need anything, just let me know. But a lot of these other motherfuckers, nope. 
they would get upset. They was like, are you sure you're sitting in the right space? Yeah, bitch, I'm sitting in the right space. And, and now, <laughs> you know, on it. <laughs> yeah, and now, you know, I sit in the front. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when I, nobody questions me, I've been here. I've paid my dues. So, but it's, it's, it's the fuck shit. And I kind of want to end that. I don't want to see other writers have to go through that um, because boxing is still old and white when it comes to the journalism aspect. Uh, MMA is kind of younger and white, still white. You know what I'm saying? Very male dominated, very few female faces, uh, female minority faces, even less. Yep. It's 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 not surprising that you dealt with it. I just hate that we have to continue to deal with this. It's wild. I mean, I it's crazy to think because people have this conception about MMA and their fan base, which could be very well true. Right. Like they have this perception in their mind of like, OK, it's like a MAGA fan base and all this stuff. And we've talked about kind of you know, how it's tied into MMA a little more so than other things. But the treatment by the UFC to me has always been top notch. Like the UFC yeah. has always been like very cool. Like boxing is weird because I, I feel like it's always been, even before I, I looked and said, I got this kind of like some racial shit. Before I looked at it that way, I always thought it was like a, a age divide in boxing. Where like the the older reporters, they do a lot of shit that like a younger reporter. Granted, they they put in their dues and everything, but there was a huge divide of how you were treated and looked at as a young reporter. And I yeah. think I was like twenty three when I started. Yeah, that that's it's that's never gonna stop, man. It's it's just not a lot of people in this space. Um, but the UFC credit to the UFC. Like, yeah, we talk about Dana, but everybody else on the staff has never treated me foul from Lene to black Dave to Shala was there when Ryan grab was there. They've never treated me bad. They've always been really good people. Chelsea has always been cool with me. Like they, they've always been good people. The fan base is something else. And there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Which is always fascinating when, you know, when we talk about covering the sport and we get like you're two black guys covering MMA. Yeah. And it's not just like two black guys with like some random blog. No disrespect to anybody who has like a random blog, but <laughs> you do a like subtle shade all episode. All episode. Hey, man, just I, subtle. We just started. I mean, you got to start from somewhere. Listen, man, like you got to start from somewhere. So when if you start a blog, an MMA blog, because obviously you got to do something to get in the course. game. There's no, there's no shade to that. But what I'm saying is we're two black dudes at major publications. And that for some people is very rare because we're still kind of like cool. We're not like nerds. We're not like when you talk about boxing media and how they look, God damn. Some of them just look ridiculous. Like you show up to the fight looking like that. Um, I don't wear suit and ties at every fight. I've done like once when I had to do like on TV stuff, but for the most part, there's, it's like baseball, man. It's like, it's like this old guard that's still fucking hanging on. It's the same people that are like, I hate Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul, which I understand. But it's just like this whole, uh, it's just old and white, man. It's like good old boys club. Yeah, like make boxing great again, right? Like that's yeah. kind of how it feels sometimes. It's like make boxing great again. And no, it was, no, you don't make it great again because boxing media has always been a bunch of white people telling minority stories and you do a poor job at it. That's where I came in at. Yeah, so... Listen, 10 years deep, I'm still still getting profiled. So that jump started my weekend. But uh, thankfully, during the weekend as well, I went to your crib. We drank, hung out. It was supposed to be game night. Never got to it. 
Nope. So we talked about it all last show and the games that will be there and me trying to learn spades. It's all right. No one played a game. We ended up just talking all night and that was cool. And that was fun. So and drinking a lot. Oh, a ton, uh, a ton, a ton. It, <laughs> we, we drank a reverse rat pack member silent. That's how much we drank <laughs> to the point where he couldn't speak, which is a feat in itself. So that was very fun. But after getting profiled and everything, on a better note, I, I feel like a lot of these weeks have like yin, yin and yang. So I had a down moment with that. But then I found out after I left your crib, like the next day, that I was chosen to be a mentor in this national program that I had signed up for. So you go, you send them all this stuff. You have to write um, like why you'd be a good mentor. They choose professionals from all different companies and walks of life to mentor college students, um, minorities mostly. And I was like, dope, I, I wanna do that. And I have since signed up for another program, which uh, I'm going to be a mentor with, which is specifically for HBCU students to be mentored. Ton of Howard grads in there. So I get to get a mentor, a mentee from that program as well. So I was like, you know what? These experiences, me going through this now is one, it makes me feel old, but in a good way where it's like, hopefully the people I'm mentoring and the people in this program, I can share my experiences. Um, I can, you know, try to help them understand what the landscape is like. And by the time they get in it, hopefully the landscape is better because now people are like, oh yeah, black person who isn't 70 years old does work at ESPN. Like, cool, this is a normal thing. So um, hopefully it's a better space for them. But I wanted to ask you, cause you're you know, more experienced than me at this. What the hell do you do as a mentor? Like any tips? I, I really just wanted to sign up and I was like, yo, I'll figure this out later. Um, well, okay, so uh, next week, I haven't said anything to anybody yet, but next week I'll be joining the 100 Black Men of Las Vegas, uh, which is some, I put an application and they chose me. So I'll be doing a mentorship program as well for high school students and, you know, they want to get into journalism and media. Advice is really simple. Um, you got to just connect with mentees and it's, it sounds easy, but what you find out, like when I was in like, my youth groups, I think some of my mentors were too close to my age and some of them I didn't respect or they didn't respect me or there were conversations at the end of the day where I was like, that feels really inappropriate. Um, <laughs> and not necessarily, but it just, you know, it's just the age thing, right? Yeah. But now that I'm a little bit older, it's like, you have to speak the mentee's language. You have to understand where they're coming from. You obviously can't talk down on them. You got to give them advice. Yes, you want to be their friend, but you want to provide them life advice because the challenge with inspiring people is you got to find the right button to push. Um, I'm having this difficult time with my nephew right now. He's 15. I can't figure out what he wants to do with his life. And everything he says is he doesn't care. And that's like the teenagers response to everything. I don't care. You got to figure out where's the connect at. So if it's in journalism, you got to find out what they want to do. And it's always, you always should ask them, what do you want to do? Like, ideally, what do you want to do? And then you have to peel the layers back on how to get them there. Um, when I used to, I guess I was a mentor to Christian Storga, who's the, the uh, does all the cinema stuff for the Jabberwockies, Kaylin Brown, who worked at the LA Times and was at Hip Hop DX. I got her in like fresh out of high school uh, through college. 
Um, when I had both of them, I was just like, I wanted all my thing was giving them opportunities. Mm. OJT on the job training. So I would take them with me to in- interviews and I let them sit with me and they, and I'd say, okay, what would you have done different? Or what did you enjoy about this interview or whatever it is? Cause the best part about journalism or the, the most challenging part about journalism, which is also the best is figuring out how to connect with your subjects and how to be a good storyteller. So for you, it's just, you know, you work at ESPN, which is cool. And you're going to have a bunch of people say, well, how do I work at ESPN? And you go, fuck that. Let's start with how do you become a better writer? And how do you become a better storyteller? And what exactly do you want to do? And how can I help you get there? Because ESPN, that's the end game. And that might not even be the end game. That might be some shit that some people don't need in their life, period. Yeah. So that's all, all it is, really, is just staying in contact with people. Don't be inappropriate because we're in the, you know, this we're in a strange time right now. So it's, don't be too friendly. But at the same time, you know, I'm you never open too yourself friendly. up. Yeah. Hey, look, man, it's, it's you just you have to just take that into consideration because especially when it comes to uh, mentees of the opposite sex. I've seen dudes just go too fucking far with. Oh, I believe people. it. Some people are creeps. A lot of people are creeps. Let's just keep it a buck. Like a lot of people are creeps. No, um, thankfully, I never worry about anything like that happening and coming up in my career because I've worked with plenty of women. I know how to treat women. It seems simple to me, but it's not a simple thing to everyone. But not really. Like that's very insightful because I was like, yo, I'm going to be a mentor. And for me, I said this all the time, like, you know, as throughout the years of the show and everything, even being at BSO and seeing other people who wrote there when I was coming up and everything, they had mentors, but they kind of went through college, like all the way. So by the time they reached their last year and all this stuff, they had mentors and journalism mentors and big names who mentored them. And I never had a mentor. My soundboard has been the group chat for, for better or worse. A lot of times it's retroactively. And you guys will say like, yo, you're bugging and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll argue back because that's what I do. And then at the end of like three hours, I'll be like, okay, I get it. So that has always replaced a mentor for me in the industry and probably why I'm at where I'm at because what happens in that group chat. So I'm trying to funnel all of that into like the next person. So I was like, all right, you know, I have to be honest in these um you know, critiques where they could get better, what they want to do, what it takes to get there. Um, can't sugarcoat what it takes to get there. And that's all stuff I've learned from the group. So I was like, oh man, that's dope. And plus you were a mentor and then at a point, a mentee here in Vegas. And you talk about all the time, like whether it was your youth group or you stepping in the Kappa League when you had the curls for the girls and you were licking your lips like LO Cool J. Really? Like, yeah, listen, listen, I see the pictures, fam. You can't deny this. You you were a uh, real Ronnie romance back then. So you've, you've been on both sides of it. So it was in, interesting to be like, yo, what would, you know, your advice be? So now I get to mentor two people. I have to really figure out how to tell them how to craft the perfect hot take. Because you can't go anywhere without a great hot take. Uh, no, so that's, that's kind of like the opposite end of the coin. So I was like, all right, cool. I started my week out by being profiled by an asshole and then ended it 
with getting to mentor other young up and coming minority journalists. So I was like, man, I, I feel like the old man. Let me ask the old man what he wants to do. But then, you know, by the time this is all over, I'll impart wisdom and then I'll cry because I'm like, I'm officially an old guy. The, the teenage children doesn't make me feel old. Like that, I'm cool with that. Being a mentor, that's, that's what I know, man. I'm gonna start getting extra grays in the beard. The hair's already a wrap. So I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting old. I'm, I'm joining the people of your ilk. So uh, no, that's, wow. what, it's okay. You're a cool old man ilk? of your ilk. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, you've been old since you were 14. Your wife has co-signed this for me. Over the weekend, she agreed with me wholeheartedly. You've been an old curmudgeon all your life. And I think we were talking about spades because she accused you of cheating. Mm, I she was like, cheat. you are a cheater in spades. So the only way she get around it is by being your partner. Mm. Nah, that was just, <laughs> that's just a coded language for they used to beat my ass. So, I, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> all right. I'm going to tell it. Listen, she's a lawyer. She knows not to speak in coded language. So, no, nah, that's, that's good. It's insightful. Thank you for imparting that wisdom on me. Now it's time to talk about the ratchetness. It's time to talk about the urban loitering. It's time for Mayweather weekend. We got all the positive and negative talk out of the way. It's time to be ratchet. But first, we're going to take a break. So you guys don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking Floyd Mayweather, him having the curls on top of his head like 12-year-old Dre. On the 15, no. at 12, you had the crazy haircut. So like 15-year-old Dre back in the day, he has grown it back. He got the fake hair. Logan Paul got the just crazy Hulk Hogan-esque muscles. Like it's 1988. It's, it's wild. And we're going to talk about all of it right after this. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to The NFL Road Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, just that quick, we are back. Oh, this is the fun part. So Mayweather versus Logan Paul is this Sunday. Why is it on Sunday, you might be thinking? It's because it's in Miami and the after party for Floyd Mayweather is at Live. And Live Sunday nights is a different type of experience. This is the first time Mayweather has fought out of Vegas 15 years, um, I think, offhand. Well, he did the exhibition with a tension. Uh, oh, that's true. In Japan. Japan. Other than that, yeah, he hasn't fought out inside of Vegas in Jesus. It's been a long damn time. I'd have to actually look it up. Yeah, so that's that's been forever. But if you're going to go out of Vegas, might as well go to Miami. And they had the grand arrivals in Miami. And trust, the urban loitering is still alive and well down in Miami. The scene was crazy. Tons of media, tons of fans. 
it was an intense stare down between Mayweather and Logan Paul as in, intense as it gets. Uh, Logan had his media workout the day before, and he has the 24-inch pythons on display. He got veins on top of veins like he's Scott Steiner. And I'm looking at it like if I was a novice, if I was a casual, and I see a 6'3", 20, what, 4, 25-year-old guy with muscles like this, I may think Floyd Mayweather was in trouble. And there's tons of people who do. Enough that he'll probably close with better odds than Conor McGregor. Nah, that's not happening. He's he, All right, so... Conor finished, I think he closed at 900. Floyd, okay. Jesus, there's so many things here. One, uh, Conor and Floyd, yeah, that was stupid, but at least Conor was a fighter, right? At least you had that. And MMA fans were just like, Conor's going to fuck him up because Conor was knocking people out. That's what That was MMA fandom. Slogan Paul shit is completely ridiculous because <laughs> there's, there's no reason that anybody should think that Logan Paul can do anything with Floyd Mayweather. I don't care about him being six feet tall. I don't care about the five or six seats reach advantage. I don't care about the 50 pound weight difference. None of this stuff matters. Floyd Mayweather. The the crazy thing is, according to William Hill, Floyd Mayweather is a minus nine Oh nine favorite. And Logan Paul is a plus 600. I believe he is at plus 500 Connor. Excuse me, Connor closed at plus 950. So he has double the chance of Connor McGregor? That don't sound right. Connor Connor closed, he closed Connor at closed plus tonight. 950. Nah, he closed closer than that. I'm positive Connor closed. Cl- I, I just looked it up, but I'll check a closed different one. Closed or open? Because that, that sounds more like the opening line than the closing line. It said that he closed at that. Which and Mayweather closed at minus 2,000 against Connor. He is at minus 800 right now. Not because I look, I cleaned up. I'll check. I'll check again because, you know, it's hard to retroactively check like the date on it. But I'll check again right now. Um, Yeah. But the thing is, is that Floyd Mayweather versus Andre Berto. Mayweather was a minus 3000 favorite against Andre Berto. mm. Andre Berto was a former world champion. Minus 3000. Minus 3000. Logan Paul. He's a minus 990, according to William H. If you go to like FanDuel, I don't think FanDuel's even taking bits on it anymore. If you find a local sports book and a lot of them are not, you have to go overseas like five dimes. This is a special exhibition. You'll find them at like minus 1400, but that's still ridiculous. Okay. I, I found the close. You're right. That was the open. Yeah. It closed plus 300 for McGregor, yeah, minus, minus 400 for Mayweather. Yeah, and I, and I bet that the fight would end in under, and the fight ending under 10 rounds was like a minus, so it was like a minus 120. And I was like, Shit. oh, my I put, God. I put, yeah, I put you a thousand on, on that. I cleaned up. I was like, ah, this is easy money. This is the easiest money because I knew Floyd saw the line. And I knew what he was thinking. He was like, oh, I'm going to get him out. I'm going to carry him a bit. And I'm going to get him out of here. You think Floyd ain't betting on himself? Absolutely. Yeah, but somebody put money down. There's no, like, you look at this fight. And there's going to be people there and say, like, oh, it'll be like Connor and he'll carry him. There's no reason for Floyd Mayweather to carry Logan Paul whatsoever. There is zero reason. Maybe a round. Maybe even two. It won't go past three. I, I, I don't think so. 
I think he's going to beat the fuck out of Logan Paul. I mean, tension, tension was a legit kickboxer. Yeah, he was small too, but he got fucked up. Cried, cried yeah. in the ring. Got the brakes beat off. So that's, that's, that's why I'm confused when people say, when they look at the McGregor, the McGregor fight was an actual fight. That was an actual boxing match where Floyd looked at the situation and said, hmm, I might be able to sque- squeeze a rematch out of this if I carry him long enough. Yep. Sure enough, after the fight ended, kind of wanted the fight again. Floyd was like, hey, I'll do it again if you want to do it again. And then kind of went around, started throwing fucking dollies through bus windows and losing fights and shit. And Floyd's still interested, but kind of would need to beat uh, Dustin Poirier yep. in, in order for that to happen. But Logan Paul, the last thing Floyd wants to do is look bad. What he, want, what he really wants to do, in my opinion, is beat the brakes off of Logan Paul, look at Jake Paul and say, you're next. Oh, that's the double cash out. That's the play right now. But you can't let Logan Paul look remotely decent against you. You can't. So the rules for people listening, if you guys haven't seen the rules for this fight, it is eight three-minute rounds. It is an exhibition by nature. Ten-ounce gloves. It originally was 12, but they've um, asked the commission to lower them, so smaller gloves. Ten-ounce gloves. No headgear. No judges. No official winner will be red. Knockouts are legal, and the knockout is up to the referee's discretion. So even if you don't touch the ground, if he feels like you're a little too hurt, anything like that, he can stop it. Which everyone's looking at like, okay, Logan Paul, blah, blah, blah. What if for some stupid-ass reason, Floyd gets hit once, and the ref's like, oh, I got to stop this. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But that, that jumps out to me to say, Knockout up to the referee's discretion. Like, oh, we're we're setting up some shenanigans. Well, uh, here's what we're doing. We're they they don't want judges involved because they don't want it to announce an official winner. But the reason why they're doing the knockdowns and referees' discretion is they don't want to see Logan Paul out there getting his ass beat, and somebody's yeah. gonna have to step in. Because look, here's what's gonna happen. And this this is my opinion. Other people may think otherwise. Floyd Mayweather is gonna end Logan Paul with a body shot. You can book it. Logan Paul's six foot two. He, like he throws his jab high. Floyd's gonna slip that shit, him in the body. Cause most people could take a punch in the face, right? You're all right. You're like, oh, this sucks. I took a punch in the face. Hit somebody in like the solar plexus or the bread basket <laughs> and watch them freeze and, re- and react. Floyd's gonna kill his body. And then he's tall. Like, I don't think Floyd really wants to reach that high. It's gonna kill him. But if he hurts Logan Paul to the body and then he jumps on him like he did Ricky Hatton you can damn well expect the referee to jump in because they don't want to see anybody get hurt. They're not going to announce the official winner because it doesn't count. But yeah, Floyd's going to run around and talk his shit and, you know, easy money and all this and all that. That's going to happen. But it's really, I personally, it's going to protect Logan Paul more than anything else. I just don't have any idea how Logan Paul, who lost to KSI, a fight that I was at, (laughs) lost a fight to KSI, his only professional boxing match. He outlanded KSI 61-57, I believe, but he still lost the fight because he wasn't very active. He was very inaccurate. How is he going to hit the best defensive fighter, arguably, of all time? I just don't see it. I don't know. How much better could he have gotten between now and then? That's my question. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It It doesn't matter how much better. He could get three million times better, and he'd still be a fraction of Floyd Mayweather. None of this shit would matter. 
<laughs> the greatest boxer of our era. And people think he has a chance. How? What is the rationale here? I don't like my stepdaughter graduated last week. So her and her friends um, were over here this weekend. They actually like went camping, came back. They were all here um, chilling. She had to take a shower and all that stuff before they went out to the movies. And like one of her friends, I was on a, a meeting for ESPN, like my usual meeting. But one of the friends is like a boxing fan or whatever. And I'm assuming they're like 18 year olds. They are 18 year olds, but I'm assuming he's like a new boxing fan. So he was talking to my wife and he was like, oh my God, the fights this weekend, you're going to watch the fight. And then my stepdaughter's like, we watch every fight. This is like what my stepdad does. So then he's like, oh, I can't wait. Logan Paul's going to knock out Floyd Mayweather. He's like, look, I've seen him training. Look at the training videos on YouTube. I was like, yo, these motherfuckers are geniuses. Because they're getting the people they need to get to believe. They don't need us to believe. We ain't the target market. They're getting the kids who've never seen Floyd fight. The only Floyd fight they've seen since 12 years old and up is Birdo and Mayweather. Yeah. So they believe Logan has a chance. Well, listen, first mistake you made is calling that kid a fan. There's no way he's a fan. He says he's a boxing fan. Yeah, okay. And I'm a um I'm a rocket scientist. Because there's just there's just no way to be a boxing fan and you would think Logan Paul would have a chance to beat the one like a man who retired 50 and 0. And it's not like Floyd Mayweather retired 50 and 0 and disappeared. That didn't happen. Floyd Mayweather's still very much in the public eye. You see his highlight videos everywhere. He's got 7.8 million followers on Twitter and like 29 million on Instagram. You know who Floyd Mayweather is. If you think that anybody has a chance, Logan Paul has a chance to be, you're not a fan. You're not. You've never watched boxing in your life. And if you did, you only watched it casually, like the big fights at a fight party, and you were arguing with a bunch of people that didn't know what they were talking about either, so all of you looked like idiots. There's just no way in hell that a real human being who would call themselves a boxing fan would say that Logan Paul has a chance. That's ridiculous. <sighs> These young kids, yo. These young kids... I mean, in terms of boxing, what, they watched the DAZN card with Jake on it. They've seen Jake knock out three people. They're like, why can't Logan do the same? Am I supposed to answer that? Yeah, like, this is like a real question. That's not a real question. This, in their mind, they're like, yo, Jake knocks everyone out. Logan can do the same. But they're not noticing that these aren't YouTubers, boxers, um, poorly trained MMA athletes. Yeah, they, that's the, what I'm saying. One of the if, greatest if, fighters of all time. If you're a fan, you would know this. This casuals are one thing, but fans, like if you're a fan, you. I'm not saying you got to know every champion in every weight class, but you you should know better. Jake Paul's not beating anybody, like any world champions. That's not happening. And no. if you, Logan Paul lost to a YouTuber, like again, <laughs> boxing in. Boxing and MMA are the only two sports on this planet where you can be a shitty, shitty fighter. And if you are a shitty fighter and you're booked against another shitty fighter, it could be a really good fight. It's the only sport that you can do that in. You can't have two shitty basketball players and put them together and everybody's talking shit about them because they can't make anything. Can't have two shitty baseball players. Can't have a pitcher throwing, hitting the backstop every time. Can't hit the catcher's bit or a batter who can't fucking hit the ball. You can't do it in football. You can't be trash. You gotta be, but in fighting, 
two terrible people together make good fights. It's the only sport. Two really, really good skilled fighters makes for for casuals a terrible fight because people aren't getting hit enough. Very yeah, that's true. It is super strange. So it comes down to, and you highlighted this so perfectly in your video that you released earlier today, comes down to the money. That's it. This whole thing's about the money. And in that case, they both already won. Floyd today claimed, did an interview with uh, Ken Wolf, ESPN, and claims he already made $30 million on the buildup to this fight, which it's a lofty number, but I'm not shocked. Like, they have the 24-7 series, Showtime, blah, blah, blah. There's ways to make money pre-fight. And then maybe guarantee your other 30. Because, I mean, his deal with them was always 60 mil. I ain't showing up. So I'm, I'm not shocked if he took half up front, half later, um, plus whatever pay-per-view points. So 30 mil, it's like, okay, Logan's not coming in for some chump change. So you're paying them. This then goes to the juxtaposition is Manny Pacquiao is deciding to fight Errol Spence for three of the major titles at welterweight and continue fighting legitimately and probably makes a third of this. That is correct. Is it even smart to continue doing that? For like normal boxers up in age like Manny, not Floyd. Floyd Floyd is part of the circus now. Is this the way that it should go? Like no other sport has this. No other sport has where you can make equal to your prime or more in what equates to an old folks league. Or in exhibitions. That's like Magic Johnson playing Michael Jordan one-on-one and making the 30 mil he made in his Lakers career. Like, nowhere else has this. What's the incentive to take real fights if you are over 30? No, like over, excuse me, over 38, 40? For what? People say Floyd got it fucked up. No, because you're not Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather, like... Canelo makes the same. Yes, but Canelo's, it's very different, right? So in the case of Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather built everything around a character who people wanted to see lose. If he was defeated, if he had one loss, it changed everything. He wouldn't be able to do shit like this. He made his whole career based on talking shit and then being a profoundly great boxer. Because again, I've said it a billion times on the show. How many times do people watch a Floyd Mayweather fight and they go, man, that fight sucked. But they watched it. They still watched it, but they go away mad because Floyd Mayweather put on a fucking clinic and it wasn't fun. And but he got your money because he talks shit because of his, his lifestyle because everything that Floyd Mayweather represents. Man, he's not that most fighters aren't that like 99 percent of them. Aside from Floyd Mayweather, it was Muhammad Ali. Nobody else could really just go out there and do an exhibition fight, and make a ton of money. It's not yeah. happening. No, nah. I you know Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson could do that. Yeah, he's because he's Mike Tyson, but it's because of the spectacle, not the sport. And with Floyd, with Mike Tyson, with Muhammad Ali, they were bigger than the sport itself. Their personas were bigger than their skill level, mm. even though the skill level was elite, and especially in the case of Floyd and, and Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson to a degree until he, you know, had a condom on his head in the Buster Douglas fight and got knocked the fuck out. But the thing is. Once the personas is so big, people are tuning in to watch the person. 
Like I always say, people cheer for the fighter, not the fight. So they pick their sides. But if you're Manny Pacquiao has a country behind him, yes, we love Manny Pacquiao. And yes, if Manny Pacquiao fought Conor McGregor, it'd be a big fight. But Manny doesn't have a persona. He's not going out there to talk shit. Conor McGregor is the same thing. He just so happened to win a bunch of fights along the way. But he lost to Dustin Poirier. He's going to come back and have this rematch. And it's still going to be the number one pay-per-view. No title on the line. It's the person. Is he the best fighter in the UFC? No. Not even close right now. Not pound for pound. He's not the best person in the division. Not even close right now. It's not, none of those things, but it's the persona. So other fighters can't do that. You can take Jared Hurd, or you can't take Badu Jack, or you can't take... I mean, maybe you could take Adrian Broner and put him in like a bare knuckle fight and people will watch that shit. I would just see him get fucked up. But Keith Thurman, they can't do this. There is no career for that. It's a unique position to be in that Floyd created himself, but then was so good as a fighter that it carried on past his career. And we live in an era of social media where the spectacle is more important. The highlights are more important than the game. So this is what people want to see. They're going to spend 50 bucks on it. And they're going to feel ripped off and they're going to complain. But you know who doesn't feel ripped off? Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. They're going to be rich again. Er, richer. <laughs> richer again. And then Jake's just waiting in the wings. But as we say that, Jake Paul has a new deal with Showtime Boxing. And his first opponent has been announced. Tyron Woodley. Yes, the same Tyron Woodley who's friend of the podcast. He has been on our show before. Maybe we get him on the show again between now and then. And he has openly said that this is the biggest payday of his career. Again, wild for a guy who's a five-time UFC champion. I mean, any UFC fighter that's not named Conor McGregor will do something outside of the UFC and be like, yeah, it's the biggest payday of my career. Damn shame. (laughs) Everybody. Damn shame. Ben Askren. Like Tyron Woolley. Yes. So, yeah. Biggest payday of his career. By far. And I've made a bet on this fight, not with you, but at ESPN. I am betting on Jake Paul to win. People at work are looking at me crazy. This is the exact opposite of the Mayweather situation to me. This is, MMA is not boxing. You don't train how to box. You don't train the skill set and the rule set. To one punch cold, clock somebody and knock him out is extremely difficult. Somehow Jake Paul has learned how to do this. But even then, it is very hard because you can take the knee, you get the 10 count. There's a lot of stuff that is different than MMA. You can clinch if you're in trouble. You can survive rounds. Things are very different. Punches come at different angles. To land punches, the glove size are different. You can use your gloves to block more effectively. Jabs are more effective. All the things I have not seen from Tyron Woodley. He was a sprawling brawl guy throwing lunging right hands over the top. I don't see how that translates, no matter how good of an athlete you are. Man, I'm, I'm so tired of talking to people about this. Because people <laughs> say, you know, there's been a lot of people that have texted me. It was like, yo, Tyron Woodley's going to kill Jake Paul. And I was like, how do you figure? Was, He's got power in his right hand. I was like, so did Conor McGregor. That shit ain't work against Floyd, but Jake's not Floyd. Yeah, I know. But boxing and MMA, like football and baseball are alike because they have a ball. Everything else is different. And this analogy is going way too far because 
yes, obviously there's contact and all these other things, but boxing is an aspect of MMA. No fighter in MMA trains boxing exclusively. They box for clinch takedowns. Uh, there's kicking involved. You're barefoot. You're in an octagon and not a ring. Spacing is different. Technique is different. There are no elite defenders in MMA. None. Think about this, people. Nobody's an elite defender. Now, I'm not saying Jake Paul is an elite uh, defender. I don't know. Who? I'd take style bender pretty well in a boxing match. As an elite defender, he can get out of the way of some punches. Yeah. But he still I gets mean, hit. Yeah, that's You got a lot of shit to worry about in MMA. If it was that's straight boxing, saying. I'd take him as a defender. But I, I don't know if I could because that's not his style. He didn't he didn't yeah, train no, like not at all. Floyd He's trained, aggressive. Right. Floyd trained to be defensive and then he uses his other other tools off of his defense. MMA, you don't do that. It's who gets to who first with their game plan. They cover up because you don't know where shit's coming from. Body kick, head kick, hook, whatever, clinch, takedown. There's so many things you got to worry about. But then when you have boxing involved and you find somebody like Jake Paul has been training this thing for three years, what's Tyron Woodley got to worry about? Shit coming right down the middle. That's the one thing that MMA fighters don't really worry about. That's why MMA fighters with a decent jab, not even a great jab, a decent jab are a problem. Yep. Because f- MMA fighters don't necessarily understand how to get around a jab. Footwork, totally different world. Cutting off the ring, totally different world. Now, add that to the fact that Tyron Woodley's gotten washed up in his last few fights. And yeah, people are going to say, but it's Jake Paul, it's different. But do you think the conditioning is different? Tyron Woodley goes out there and thinks like he usually does and goes balls to the wall in the first round, blows his gas tank, and now we're in the round four and he's exhausted against Jake Paul. Yeah, it's crazy because he's like, I fight 25-minute fights in the UFC. Not the same thing. No, it's apples to oranges. It's not not the same thing. The pacing is different. How you control yourself is different. When Floyd fought Conor McGregor, Floyd got in that ring and said, he's going to give me everything he's got from the opening round because that's the only way MMA fighters know how to fight. They don't pace themselves. He's going to give me everything he has. And Connor gave him everything he had until Connor got tired. And what did Floyd do? Stood in front of him. People were like, oh, you know, he got a lot of offense in. No, he didn't. Connor was stand- was Floyd was standing in front of Connor to bait him into throwing punches. Because what Floyd knew was, you can't do this shit all night. I can. He can't. Mm-hmm. Connor can't defend. Once Connor is tired, he's right for the picking. And what did Floyd do? Gassed his ass out by walking him down because. When a fighter's coming towards you, it's exhausting. Ask any fighter about pressure fighters. Like Gennady Golovkin, people say that pressure was exhausting because you got to deal with it. He's not coming. You got to punch to get him off you. That's what Floyd did with Connor. Made it easy. Made it e- easy night. He just paced himself, figured it out. Not saying Jake Paul's going to do the same thing, but I guarantee you that Ty- if Tyron Woodley has two ways to fight, he's either going to come straight at him or he's going to wait too long and get picked off. Does he have a chance, a one-hitter quitter? Sure. How many times have you seen Tyron Willie throw a three-punch combination? Damn near never. I've seen him get pieced up, though. Shout out to Kamaru Usman. Yeah, I mean, Kamaru Usman, I mean, go back to Nate Marquardt. Like, Jake Paul even works off of a nice jab. Yeah, Jake Paul could have a glass job. Tyron Willie could beat him. But when the line opened up and Jake was like a minus 800, I was like, it should be like minus 250 at least in my mind because I've seen Jake box. I haven't seen Tyron win. 
And I like Tyron. And I know he thinks he can win this fight. But the other thing is, I can guarantee you that Jake's going to get in his head. I can guarantee it. Guarantee it to the point where Tyron's going to want to come out and kill him. And if Jake just weathers whatever Tyron's got coming at him, it's a wrap. This isn't, dude, I'm sorry. Look, Tyron's jaw's a little shot. I don't know. Tyron might get knocked out. I'm pick I early prediction. I'll pick it to go to a decision. But Jake, yo, if Jake KOs him, it's unbearable. I'm not like people's like, well, Jake has fought a basketball player and a YouTuber and an MMA fighter. Yeah, he has. But do you think he's been training with basketball players and YouTubers? No, he's been training for real. And I've told y'all this. He's been training for real. I'm not saying Tyron Willie hasn't. But he's just now starting to train boxing. Just now. As the singular discipline. It's like a DH, right? That's what boxers are. In terms of like baseball. I'm a, I ain't got to worry about shit else. I just got to hit the ball. So finally he's doing that. Before he had to play. For, like he was a utility man. Play shortstop, outfield, left, pitched. And he couldn't. He was jack of all trades and master of none. You can't just master one thing overnight. Dude, I like Tyreen. And yeah, I know y'all looking at me crazy. He was like, man, the pro black guy, you're going to pick the, the white dude to beat him? Yes. I'm using my brain, not my heart. Because <laughs> like, shit, I want Tyron to win. But he's not. He's not. He's got a puncher's chance. And that's the other thing. People was like, well, he knocked out Robbie Law. Yeah, like six years ago. And they had a little <laughs> teeny, they had teeny tiny gloves on. It's, it's so different when you're fighting like 10 ounce gloves. There's some little ass finger gloves in the UFC. So different. So different. I don't I don't I don't see how this is going to be competitive. It'll, it'll be fun. I will be there. I'm not in Miami. I, wherever this fight is, we've already talked about where there's like you're going to be there. Right. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be there. Yeah. I, I have to see this shit. I have to. No, we'll definitely be at the, the one in late August. Hopefully it's here. Hopefully, if not, I don't, I don't want to travel. But, you know, I'm listen, I, I've never been to Miami, so it's no better time than the present. Let's get it. I'll be on South Beach. I'm renting the Lambo. And uh, we'll be cruising South Beach. Sounds like a plan. You're yeah. bugging. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, that's what people do down there, right? Got to rent a Lambo. I'm pretty sure it's like 300 a day. Like, everyone has Lambos. Broke-ass um, people got Lambos down there from the rental spot. They're expensive. But, I mean, it's Miami, man. I, I, like, I was there for Super Bowl week. And, yeah, I... I, ain't, I don't need no goddamn Lamborghini. I'm just, I don't need all that, man. Let us be great. Let us be great, Trey. Just a Lambo. Real quick on South Beach. Yeah, but then you got to give it back. That's not my life, man. I don't, when I get <laughs> shit, I got to keep it. It's mine. <laughs> no, I can't keep a Lambo. Then I open it up. I can't drive a Lambo here in Vegas, first off. Not to get too far off track. But there's way too much space. The freeways are too wide open. I'm doing like a buck 20. And I just, buck 30, I can't do that. Like, I, I understand my personality, so I can't have a car that goes that fast. But I just want to do it to drive, like, 10 miles per hour. And we just throw the doors up, acting fools, at least one day. Well, I'll work on it. You're such an old man. I want to yeah. go to Miami, be in his room, play Nintendo Switch. Yeah, my PS5 is too big. Um, my Xbox <laughs> is small. But, dog, that, I... I Look, I'll walk around the South Beach. Like it's it's South Beach is dope. Like I'll kick it. I'll eat some Mexican. Well, not Mexican food. I'll Cuban some, food. Uh, Cuban hey. food. There there was a dope little Mexican spot out there though. Can't front. They had amazing tacos. I ain't but, going um, to South Florida to eat no tacos. 
Hey, they, it was highly recommended, and I went, and it was amazing. I was surprised. All right. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, I ain't got a show out, man. People Listen, man, and a Lambo I, on me. We'll go to the Cuban spot, Roma Vieja or me with some platanos. What? <laughs> it's over. What, I got what's you. Lam- what's the Lambo going to do? I don't know, man. We just get to drive around. Have you ever driven around a Lambo? No. Case closed. <laughs> that's, that's it. That is it. Just because we can't. Just and, and I'm playing the corner podcast dumb loud like an idiot. Yeah, I will never ride the car with you playing my voice. That's just not happening. I do. I do. You draw the line somewhere. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll play traditionally sound hip hop. That doesn't even go together. Sound yeah, like like like, like backpack mean? rap. We can't play. Like, listen. Shout out to you know some of the greatest MCs out there, but I can't be in a Lambo playing Murs. But for you, I will. Like for you, I'll play Black Thought in the Lambo. Because if not, we'd be listening to like really stupid ratchet music. You are really playing the part, aren't you? I really am. Like sometimes you got to immerse yourself in the culture. When in Rome, right? That's a saying for a reason. Yeah, but when I'm around idiots, I don't do what the idiots do. All right. And I'm sure Miami's this fight is going to be full of idiots. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a gimmick. Be the gimmick for the weekend. It's. For a day, we'll we'll yeah. we'll figure it out. Don't worry. I will wear on the old man. It is fine. We're gonna make it happen. What we're gonna make happen right now is the break. Because when we come back, we actually got to talk. I don't want to say actual boxing, but we got to recap the boxing matches, championship boxing matches that happened last weekend, and preview the UFC card coming up this weekend. So you guys don't go anywhere. I'm gonna continue explaining the greatness of Lambo on South Beach to the old man. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, it's the home stretch. Like I told you, talking championship boxing now, not YouTuber boxing. Before then, I had a stroke of genius. Dre in the Lambo, we play nothing but two live crew and Trick Daddy song. We really get into the theme. No? I know you like two live crew. Everybody likes two live crew. I'm not playing two live crew in Miami in 2021. What are you supposed to play? Like city girls? We got to do something to honor the city. Two live crew honors the city. No, man. I'm not doing any of this. If y'all see us on South Beach, just know that I won out. He's going to not hop in the car with me. You guys will see August 28th if this fight goes down over there. If it's somewhere else, then we got to rework the plan. But last week, the fight that, uh, yes, 
I had a shaky time with my credential for, but the fight itself, Devin Haney versus Jorge Lars at 135 for the WBC title, which oddly enough, me being a social media guy, I check all social media platforms. The WBC made this cool ass social media graphic today with all of their champions, current champions, men and women. On the men's championship side, both Devin Haney and Teofimo Lopez are listed as actual WBC champions. No interim, no nothing. They are both full-time WBC champions. I'm just letting you know what they said. What does that mean? It means that they have two champions at 135. Equal part champions. Now, does that mean that it's un- is Teofimo undisputed? I don't know. Because the other guy's a full-fledged champion, too. So it's more confusing than ever, but they list both as full-time champions. They have several divisions where it's like that. I think heavyweight is the same because Dillian White is listed as a true champion alongside Tyson Fury. Dog, it's just the WBC's fault. It's like the one that, you know, uh, when CM Punk beat John Cena and then took the title put it yeah. in the fridge and then they gave you know cena beat ray mysterio in that stupid ass tournament and then they had two titles yep and you know that that's kind of how this worked out like and, moose and impact bringing back the tna title yeah and and Kenny omega has both of them and it sucks because this isn't to's fault i've never went out to blame to i'm blaming the wbc the fact that they said oh yeah devin haynes the champ that's the problem it's not devin's fault people are like well who did devin beat doesn't matter they said he's a champ. You can't just change your mind midstream. It's like, well, well, you guys said the franchise championship cannot be defended. You can change your mind midway. Ask the WBA, who is looking to reinstall uh, <laughs> Manny Pacquiao as the full-time champion, and Ugas is no longer the champion. Yeah, It I should can't. happen in like the next week, just so Manny can defend the title against Errol Spence. Midway, no logic. It's ridiculous. It's it's dumb. I hate it. Like I I truly hate that idea. It's like stop going back on your own rule sanction bodies. If if you didn't want to, if you franchise Lomachenko because he should have fought Devin Haney, and you guys franchise this, I'm not blaming Lomachenko like for this. The WBC did this. Also, the WBC makes seventeen thousand belts for no particular reason. I can't. If if they said the franchise championship cannot be defended. And it's, you know, it's the, if he wants to fight for the title again, he's the immediate number one contender. That makes sense. But don't then go back and say when uh, T.O. beats Loma, oh, he's the undisputed champion. That's not what happened. It's your fault. You should have never made Devin the champion. That's it. All you had to do is keep Lomachenko. But you went against your own damn rules when it comes to sanctioning bodies and rankings and all the other shit with mandatories. You did it to yourself to make money. That's what they always do. Or do sanctioning fee. Yeah. yeah. What a convoluted web we've weaved. So with Devin Haney, though, he's defending his version of the belt versus Linares. Going to the fight starts off well. I think, you know, he's doing what Devin Haney does, finding his mark, getting in, getting out, not sitting down on punches per se. But when he does, he throws two or three in a great combination. Looks like they land clean on Linares, but never really follows it up and goes in there. And then he's coasting. I'd say Lenardi's maybe won one round through the first nine. And then you get to the 10th round. And end of the ninth, 10th round, end of the ninth, 
Devin Haney walks into one. Naris puts a three-piece together. Boom, Haney's wobbly, wobbling back to the corner. Never goes down, but you can see like, oh, shit, that one landed. Tenth round, Naris is on it, turning it up, pouring it on Haney. Can't get him out of there. Haney shows good defense, survives, gets his wits about him. 11 and 12, they both land some punches. I still probably give those to Lenaris. So even if you give Lenaris the ninth round due to him just wobbling Haney, Haney wins. I believe most of the scorecards ended up being eight rounds to four. There was one seven to five. Haney wins the decision, but doesn't necessarily win the respect with this fight. And my question to you is, is Haney falling behind the pack? No. Um, here's why. Boxing fans are very fair weather. Devin Haney's run into a position where he's going to be criticized no matter what because he's not a knockout puncher. That's not his game. He's tactical. Floyd fell in this trap for a while. Kept winning fights and people were like, he's boring. Who gives a shit? Kept winning. Devin is in a spot where he does hold the WBC title. He fought Jorge Linares. He didn't knock him out. Hey, guess what? Linares, yes, he has lost to people only by knockout up until that point. He's only been knocked out. But Haney couldn't get him out of there. The biggest, the most important thing that happened in that fight was Devin Haney getting rocked. By far, to me. Because if Devin Haney went out there and just put on a clinic using his jab, they would criticize him anyway. They'd be like, why didn't you get him out of there? Yep. You can't tell a fighter when to finish somebody. You'd like to, but if they're a knockout artist... That makes sense. But Devin's not that. Him getting clipped meant that he had to compose himself. He was in trouble. He had to go back to his corner, take instructions, figure out how to stay out of danger and not go down. That, to me, is more important than anything else that happened in that fight. Because undefeated fighters, what have I, what have I always said? I say it all the time. What happens when you get punched in the, in the fucking mouth? Yeah. That's all I want to see. It's the Can most important thing. Yeah. Can you take it? He got hit. And he took it and he learned how he knew how to survive. And right there, I said, well, if you fight somebody gets in trouble, he knows what to do. Other fighters, they don't, they go 30, you know, 40, you know, they never get touched. Not necessarily because they're great defensively. It's just because they steamroll people. Mike Tyson finally got hit with something, hit the canvas, had no idea how to get up against Buster Douglas. He yeah. went looking for his mouthpiece. He didn't have a clue, not a clue. Look at fighters who have gone undefeated. Look at Deontay Wilder. Didn't have a clue when he was in trouble what to do. Oddly enough, he was knocked out in the Olympics, right? Uh, I mean... Or knocked down. Yeah, but it's not, it's not the same thing, right? I mean, Tyson Fury was bang, beating him up. Wilder had no idea what to do. Yeah, not a Fury's clue. been knocked down four, four times in his career. Bro. Yeah, I mean, this he, got knocked down with, he got knocked down with Steve Cunningham. Yeah. So it's like, some people will go... Oh, you know, Devin should have got him out of there. But I'm more intrigued by the fact that he knew what to do. Like, he went to his corner. He listened to Ben Davison. He listened to his dad. Went out there and was like, all right, I need to hold him. People were like, oh, he's a pussy. You should go for it. Now, if he went for it and got knocked out, we would like, <laughs> we would have talked shit, too. We still yeah. would have talked shit. And guess what? Devin wouldn't have been champion anymore. He needed to win the fight. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Because as long as he has that WBC title, somebody's going to have to fight him. Whether it's Ryan Garcia whether if Tank, if he beats Mario Barros and comes back down, whether it's Tiafimo wants to prove he's a real franchise, like legitimate, undisputed champion. And clearly between Tio and Devin, you look at those two and you're like, you guys are not going to be at 35 very long. No, they're going to catch each other sooner or later. Yeah, they're going to have to fight. So why not fight sooner than later, right? 
But I think that it's more important. Yeah, I would have liked to see Devin get the knockout. But it's, let's not act like Linares is a bum. He is He's not. not a bum. And he, he does have power. Lomachenko. Yeah, he yeah. put Lomachenko down. He's not a bum. He's far from it. Like, and then, you know, I thought it was interesting. As much as I like Ryan Garcia, he's out here talking shit. It's like, hey, man, you just said you're not fighting because you got mental health things yeah. you got to take care of. Shut up. Don't talk people, right now. People can't talk shit back to you. It's kind of unfair. Unfair yeah, time like to talk shit. That's not fair. And you got put down by Luke Campbell, who before then, a lot of people thought couldn't bust a grape. All the credit to Ryan Garcia. He got up, finished Luke Campbell. Just same thing. I needed to see it out of him. Now I know he's got some dog in him. But don't talk shit. Relax. But I, I think, get it. You got you talk shit to drum up interest in the fight. Whatever. Of the four, the only one that hasn't faced adversity is Tank. Yeah, and I think it might be coming with this Barrios Barrios fight. That's it a good point. It might be coming because uh, Diofimo was in a fucking dog fight with Nakatani. Yes, and he and learned a lot in that fight. You remember, yeah, you he was what busted up in that fight, and he was like, "Fuck." He was like, "I had a lot on my mind." Blah blah blah. Nakatani presented problem with the length and the and the jab and the skill, like. He had Theo a little wobbly a couple times. And you remember what happened after that fight? People was like, is Theo really that good? Yep. People said the same thing that they're saying about Haney. That is completely yeah. true. It, and it goes away. Your next your, people, your last performance is your last performance. Once it goes away, it goes away. Now, when you start getting the pound for pound and like, you know, his legacy conversations, that's when people start bringing up bullshit. Oh, yeah. I remember what happened in this fight. Oh, you lost to Castillo with Floyd. Oh, you know, you know, Marquez beat Pacquiao. Those things happen when you talk legacy. But right now, your last fight is your last fight. Tiafimo, he had that fight with Nakatani, had a really hard time. And I said it on the show. I was like, Nakatani's long, rangy, gave him a hard time. But guess what? T.O. won. That's all that matters. Yep. That's all that matters. And he didn't drop Nakatani, but Nakatani got dropped twice versus Verdejo. Yeah. In that fight and somehow came back and knocked Verdejo out, which is fucking crazy. Yeah, so so I, I need people to chill out on Devin. And again, y'all forget Devin's 22, dog. He's 22. <laughs> 22. I will say um, this. Before we go on the next subject, this weekend, for those who are listening, the uh, Showtime's Four Kings documentary debuts. It's four parts. And I don't know. I think it's doing every week. I've watched the whole thing. It is fucking incredible. And I come to think of it, I got to email Fred Sternberg back because he asked me about it. But he sent me the screeners and I watched them. And it's incredible. And Leonard, Hagler, Hearns, Duran, they were young when they fought. When Leonard and Hearns fought, they were young. And when Hearns fought Hagler, people were like, ah, Hearns was washed up. You know how old Tommy Hearns was in that fight? 29. I was about to say 29 years old. <laughs> he was 29, and people were like, oh, he's lost a step and he's washed up. But prime years are prime years, and young fighters these days are different because you got to learn. You got to learn. And Tommy Hearns lost to Ray Leonard, came back. He lost to Hagler, but then he became the first four-division world champion. Shit don't matter, man. Like, fighters fight. That's what they do. And when they're young, they learn and they progress and they learn, you know, how to control their weight and their body and they sit down on their power. They figure things out. I just, people taking too much away from Devin in this fight. He won the fight. Was it a, a, a Tank Davis knockout or Leo Santa Cruz? No. But tactically, he's a really good fighter. Period. Yeah, and we just have to see them all against each other. The is going to have a hard test with Cambosis, theoretically. Like Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if he can get him out of there. I Personally, Cambosis could have lost his last fight. So I, I think Theofimo's a little bit ahead of him, but shit, you never know. 
never know. But if Theo looks good, then maybe we head towards those two. Or you never know now with Josh Taylor. If Josh Taylor defends the belt quickly like he wants to and in August, Theofimo Josh Taylor could be the wave, which Theofimo just jumps up. And the Haney fight is there for him next summer if he wants to go back down or if Haney wants to jump up and meet him. Um, so many possibilities, man. Tank's already up at 140. Who would have guessed Tank would be the first one at 140? His fat ass? I'm joking. <laughs> but again, I, he man, looks great I, now, by the way, though. I gave him shit, he too, because he was – he was very undisciplined. He was on like the Broner plan. The past two fights and in between, he's looked great. I just wonder how the power travels. It could be a lot better when you're in shape at 140 than it is if you were just naturally coming in at 140 because your body forced you to. You look great at 130. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what version of Tank. I, and people listen to the show and like, yeah, you're giving Tank a lot of shit. I'm just, I need to see him get hit by a legit fighter. And I think Mario Barrios is close enough to being legit because of his highest reach, the fact that he's undefeated. He's looked good in the fights that I've seen him in. It's a, it's not an easy fight. It's not an easy fight for him. And if he looks great in the fight, and I'll say it, I'll be like, all right, cool. But I still want to see Tank get clipped because what will happen is he fight, if he fights T.O., if he fights Ryan Garcia, they're going to put hands on him because Leo was touching Tank up. Oh, yeah. So I, I need to see if, if Tank can take a punch. Cool. I just you haven't seen it yet. You know what's crazy? I... I want to see him outpoint someone. He's the opposite of David Haney to me. Like in the firefight, even against Barrios, who's bigger, and all, I, I still favor Tank. And if he wins a firefight, and cool, like that's expected. I want to see him go the distance and win rounds because he's falling to the wilder trap where he gave away a ton of rounds to Leo Santa Cruz and was like, I'm just going to catch you. Yeah. I want to see him legit outpoint someone. I want to see. Him show what Theofimo showed against Loma. When I went into that fight, I was like, Theo got to knock him out because he's not winning a decision against Loma. He's too technically sound. And lo and behold, outpointed his ass. And yep. really pulled it through in the championship round. When it was getting close, and he was like, no, I'm going to outclass you. So I want to see that from Tank. So this is the guy with power. I want to see the slickness. I want to see the angles. I want to see some defense. They all say Tank has it. Leonard, every time I talk to Leonard, says Tank has all of these skills. He just hasn't had to show them. Well, then show them. I mean, sure. And that's yeah, what I, I mean, want to see. More than, more than getting hit, surviving getting hit, and then just hitting the other guy harder and winning by decision. I mean, winning by knockout again. 23 knockouts and 24 fights. Like, and, and the other one was like Gamboa on one leg, I believe. Or he stopped Gamboa late, but that one damn near went to distance. I want to see about points of Show me the skill. Show it to me. And, you know, I, I love Leonard, but he's Leonard. <laughs> Leonard's not going to say anything. He's not going to say, Duh. well, yo, Tank sucks defensively. He's not going to say that. So let it rise for his people. Um, the other fight that happened, damn near at the same time. So I had to rewatch it, but caught the good part of it was Nonita Donaire going for a title at age 38 and Bantamweight title, I believe. And Looking amazing in that fight. Shocking everyone. Like, it was, if you're a Donaire fan, it's a 50-50 fight. But he was the underdog heading into that one. Younger champion, every goes in there, gets it done in four rounds. Gets the knockout. Dropped it to the canvas three times. And it looked like Donaire when he was 28, not 38. And two things jump out at me is Donaire is really damn good when he's fighting at the correct weight. 
And two, NY is amazing. Yeah. Because for a second, I was like, yo, NY kind of struggled with Donet. And that was like a tough fight. And Donet was from paws on him. And NY just had to stand there and bang. But now looking at Donet, like, you know what? That the NY fight looks like a really good win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's kind of shocking that Nonito Donaire, who, if you if you go back to the Guillermo Rigondeaux fights, Donaire just completely got washed out in that fight. But he's found something. I don't. I don't. Not sure exactly what it is. The Filipino Flash has is not the Filipino Flash anymore. But he's found something technically that works for him. He, he's not relying on the speed and the power. He's a little bit more savvy now. And watching him in this fight picking his spots, being aggressive. I enjoyed it. Does it mean the Filipino flash is back? No, because I think the Filipino flash is gone, but Nonito Donaire is here yep. and he can fight. I'm here for it. Yeah, so you look at the Rigondeaux fight. Cool, he was outclassed for 12 rounds. Him getting knocked out by Nicholas Walters was the most shocking one to me. Yeah, well, Nicholas Walters, had, it's crazy how bo- boxing works because Nicholas Walters at the time, the axe murderer. Yeah. And there wasn't a ton of tape on Walters and people talked about his power and then they saw it to Lomachenko's credit. He saw it. And then he was like, Oh, I, I can figure out how to neutralize this because my fantastic footwork, you can't touch me. And he made it easy, an easy night out of Nicholas Walters, made, made him quit. But Donaire is just, again, that's that featherweight. Yeah. So it's just when, when the man fights at the right weight, more often than not, he's on the winning end of these things. So you look at featherweight, um, his loss to Rigondeaux was super bantamweight. So he's up there again. Let me see. The Magdaleno fight, super bantamweight. The Frampton fight was featherweight. That was another one of his losses. And then the most recent NY fight was hit at super bantamweight. So cool. Now he's down to regular bantamweight, which he's never lost now at that division. Yeah. Fight at the right weight. It, it I don't know. pays dividends. I'm not saying it's the right weight. I'm saying it's the mindset because he has been featherweight probably was too big for him. Actually, featherweight was definitely too big for him. He moved up, losing the Frampton. He didn't look, he looked a little listless down the stretch in that fight. But super band weight was a good weight for him. Losing the NY, no big deal, right? Like it's the monster. You didn't even get knocked out. You showed nope. you showed out. But I think mentally he's figured out how to be a better fighter. And that's really what it is. Losing to Jesse Magdalena when Jesse was the young upstart kid. Now his loss is nobody talks about him anymore. But Magdaleno, what just the youth, Donaire just couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle the youth, the aggression, the skill, the technique. And Donaire wasn't a savvy veteran. Now he's a savvy veteran who fights his age. He acts his age. <laughs> and it's much better for him that way. Um, Royce five, nine said something on social media. That I thought was kind of profound. He was like, uh, you know, when I realized that I could be big Sean's like big brother is when we had a better relationship rather than trying to compete with him. When you get a certain age, you got to acknowledge like, yo, I'm this old. I don't need to adopt <laughs> your slang. I don't need to adopt your style. I don't need to do the things that you young people do. I need to speak to my audience and I need to fight to my skill level. And I think that's what Donaire is doing now is he's fighting to his age and skill level because I believe Donaire is, what, 38? Yeah, he's 38 years old. Yeah. The oldest like, bantamweight champion in boxing history. Yeah, so at 38, he's recognized, like, I can't keep pace, you know, you know, trading with, like, a J- Jesse Magdaleno. 
You know, I can't do those kind of things. I can't be the Filipino flash. But if I settle into my rhythm and I know technically I'm a really good fighter, that's what Roy Jones never figured out. Yep. Once the athleticism goes away, how do you become just a better fighter? He couldn't figure it out. Donaire did. Who knows how long he hangs on this WBC title, but he's got it. He's got it with a stunning fourth round knockout. I like it. That's I really like him at that weight. And then on the other end, the last thing we have to talk about is the UFC. Obviously, we're still a week away from the pay-per-view. Um, Israel Adesanya is coming back down the middleweight uh, for Vittori. So that'll be majority of our show next week. Some good fights on that card, you know, including uh, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz, Figueredo versus Moreno 2. Um, Damian Maia is still fighting, which I don't know if this is his bye-bye to Bellator fight or not, but there's a lot of good stuff next week. This week, a little lighter on the cards, but still there's a couple of fights that catch my eye. Um, Montana De La Rosa is fighting in the prelims main event, which is one of those fights where it's like, all right, I want to see how that goes. But going to the main card, Santiago Ponzinibbio is fighting. Miguel Baeza and Ponzinibbio, I don't know what they got against him, but they booked this man extremely tough. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is going on here? So, I, I mean, just lost uh, Li Jiliang and then um, beat Neil Magny before then, which is a tough-ass fight, beat Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson. Like, they don't really give him any soft touches at all. Oh. And Miguel Vez is an undefeated fighter at that. And it's in, it, you have to look at it like when they booked this fight, they were like, all right, Ponzinibbio, either you shit or you get off the pot. So, yeah. you know, you need this young up and coming uh, welterweight in this division who's undefeated. If you can't beat him, then we know where you are, right? It's big you as hell for a welterweight, too. Yeah. If Miguel wins, then you boost him up. Um, maybe he cracks the rankings if he gets an impressive win. Who knows? Welterweight's, I wouldn't say it's stacked, but there's some competition there. Yeah. So Ponzinibbio, he looked like a guy who was destined to be a top five fighter at one point when he was rolling through guys, beat Gunnar Nelson, beat Mike Perry. Uh, I think this all happened after he lost to Lorenzo yeah. Larkin. They fought Neil Magny. Neil, Neil Magny. Wins. Yeah, he's got some good wins, but he could be just another one of these guys who gets stuck around, you know, the, the number 10 rank. We'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend. I'm going to pick him because I think the striking might be the difference here. But Faiza's guy who's finished what a bunch of fighters, at least three fighters in a row. If I remember yeah. correctly. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, 75 inch arms, like 28. He has the measurables. He looks the part. Yeah. So yeah, he's gonna he get my part. pick. Like he he looks the part. And you talk about welterweight, yeah, it's stacked at the top, but it's stacked with the same names. Yeah, generally this, now, this like uh, Woodley is out, so there, there's room for movement. Yo, Woodley left you like they released. There was no like big announcement that Woodley's gone. It just one day he was gone. That was it, and he was still ranked like five, and he was yeah. just gone. <laughs> like, See ya. Dana couldn't wait. It was like, all right, there's the door, buddy. Got him out of there. Cold, cold world right there. Um, co-main event, Walt Harris versus Marcin Tybura. This is a fight Walt Harris has to win. Friend of the podcast, big ticket. Um, yeah. This is a fight he has to win to stay around. Because they, they've given him, again, tough fights lately. Came up short. You know, he, 
he dealt with, you know, his daughter and the tragedy and everything there. Before then, he was rolling. Um, he had won, let's see, four fights in a row going back to 2017, rolling. And then, yeah, he really couldn't catch ground after that. But Alexander Volkov and Reem coming after the tragedy, that's just, it was tough. So this is his fight where he really got to get back on the horse if he's going to do so in the UFC. Yeah, Walt Harris has had some tough fights. Uh, the Overeem Volkov fights, as you mentioned, um, Fabricio Verdun, when he took that fight on super short notice, the day of, if anybody remembers that, he walked in there and it was like, hey, I forgot who Verdun was supposed to fight. And they were like, oh, he needs an opponent. Walt was like, I'll do it. And I was like, that's a bad idea. But, you know, he did it anyway, which I, I hate when fighters do it because it doesn't really benefit him in the long run. But other than that, you know, uh, Alexi Olenek, he beat um, Arlovsky, he beat, then I had that overturn. So he needs to beat a guy in Marcin Tibera who just beat Greg Hardy. Yep, who, he's on a three-fight winning streak. Yeah, not against great competition. Walt's a bigger puncher, um, but he might be just as big a puncher as Greg Hardy. So I'm going to pick the ticket because he's been on the podcast. That's about as far as I can go with that. But I'm not yeah, me too. with a ton of confidence because uh, Tibera is a tough out. Tibera is a tough out. I can see this going the distance, though. Um, which Walt hasn't had. There's those. nothing... Nothing worse than heavyweight fights to go to distance. It's only three rounds, at least. Don't care. <laughs> um, and then in the main event, uh, Rosenstruck versus Sakai. Augusto Sakai is the last person to beat Marcin Tybura. So interesting on the same card now. And uh, Rosenstruck was on one hell of a run. And then, again, talk about getting matched tough. You get knocked out by Francis Ngannou in... 20 seconds, then he comes back, beats JDS, but then Cyril Gagne gets him in the five-round fight. <sighs> Give me Rosenstruck to win. To me, I think he's still just better at the top of the card. So, give me him. Yeah. I mean, Rosenstruck's kickboxing is superb, right? You know, yep. Cyril Gagne and Francis Ngannou, two beasts. Gagne is probably destined for a title shot at some point. And Gano clearly is a champion, the most destructive force in the heavyweight division. No shame in losing to either of those fights. This one's not going the distance. No, no. I mean, I don't know. Sakai kind of goes the distance, so I, I can see it. But no, Rosenstruck is going to open up. Somebody's going to make a mistake. I mean, Sakai was beating Overeem's ass and then got caught with one. It was a wrap. Yeah, he was. He was. And Sakai's a good fighter, but I just think, if the fight manages to stand up for an extended period of time, it gives Rosenstruck all the opportunity he needs. Getting knocked out by Francis Ngannou is like, <laughs> who cares? So, so everyone yeah. does. 20 seconds is, is something because Ngannou came at him like a spider monkey and he, he hit him with like the craziest fucking combination I've ever seen. Yeah, so I'm picking Rosenstruck and, you know, this is still a... it's It'll be a good win for him because if... They're going with Ngannou and Derek Lewis, which feels like that's the only way to go. I'm very curious because if John Jones doesn't get, doesn't take another fight unless it's for the title, could we see like a Rosenstruck versus Stipe fight? I'd be interested in that. I'm not mad at that. I'd rather Gagne versus Stipe fight. That that could also happen. There's there's options. Like the top of the heavyweight division is kind of like the top of the boxing heavyweight division, where it's very top heavy. Yeah. And the guys are on the top, like everything beneath them is like, yeah, because 
you know, you have your Dillian Whites, you have your Andy Ruiz's. They're all very interesting, but it's like the top guys are the top guys. And right now it's Francis Ngannou. It still feels like Stipe's there because he beat him. Yep. And then, I don't know, maybe Derek, Derek Lewis, Lewis. Gagne's. Cyril, yeah. Cyril Gagne is on his way. So, and Rosa Strux maybe is like your Dillian White of the division. I don't know. I'm interested, though. No, I agree. I mean, um, man, the wrestler's name escapes me, but he's still hanging around, even though he gets knocked out every now and then. A little too much for me. So, I mean, the heavyweight division is fine. There's seven deep when you yeah. throw John Jones in there. So, it, it's deeper than light heavy, where John Jones oh, just yeah. left. So... There's plenty of intriguing matchups if John does want to take a fight to just test out his body at heavyweight, which I thought he should he's have done. Do he should have done from rip. Don't take Steve Bay. But he, he's he, not going to do it. It's tough. <laughs> he's not going to do it. You go right and, in, the person you're right talking, in against a guy who that's scary. The person you're talking about, you're talking about Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades, thank you. Um, John, John against Curtis Blades would be a good fight because Curtis ain't just going to yeah. wrestle John all damn day. No, but... John is not interested in that shit. No, he wants one fight he wants. And now he's got Richard Schaefer as his his advisor, which I don't know exactly what that means. But I don't know. Schaefer got Mayweather money. Yeah, I'm just saying, in in terms of finding John Jones his next fight, I feel like it's still championship or bust. There's a distinct possibility that we don't see John Jones fight for a long time. Oh, and then if he loses, the layoff would be the reason. Yeah, of course. That everyone points to. So again. He's it's been kind of these layoffs are crazy. He's getting old. Yeah, quick without a ton of fights, nope. getting old. So, if ring rust is a thing, he he's gonna have to really battle that. So we'll see how all these fights shape up. This was a great show. Started off with the old man imparting wisdom on me, and then talked about some of the crazy madness that'll happen in Miami this weekend. Wrapped it up with our predictions. So we want to thank all of you for listening as always. Make sure you follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hell on all platforms. Check out our other shows, Wrestling with Stereotypes on adfreeshows.com. Plenty there to watch, to, you know, get your fix of us between shows. It's really cool. Um, Really great insight to the world of pro wrestling. And as always, we're working in the background. So hopefully in a couple of weeks, We'll know where we stand. We'll know where the future of our show stands. And we'll be able to announce some some good news for the Corner Podcast and everyone in the Corner Club. So we appreciate you guys. Till next time, though, we're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.